0: Welcome back to the Business Systems Summit. I'm your host, David Jennings, and in this session, we're going to be chatting with the internationally acclaimed motivational speaker, success coach, and best-selling author of Journeys on the Edge, Living a Life That Matters. And now we're going to be diving into some systems around his most recent book, The Power Principles of Time Mastery, Do Less, Make More, Have Fun. So we'll dive into that shortly. But originally, I came across his work through the connection to Book Yourself Solid Worldwide, which is a a business that was built off the back of Michael Port's book. Uh, And Walt, our guest, who I'll introduce in a moment, is the president and COO of that company. But after we got connected and we chatted a few times, we both agreed that uh, his systems and insights around time management is going to be most helpful because I think all business owners, they struggle with the limits of 24 hours in a day. There just never seems to be enough time to get everything done for that busy business owner but the good news is our guest has some really powerful strategies and systems to get the most from the day and best of all he knows how to teach it that it might be because he's an ivy league educated trial attorney or because he's a certified robbins coach or for the fact that he's been coaching and mentoring for over 10 years or maybe it's a combination of all of the above whatever the reason i know you're going to really enjoy this session as will i And it's with great pleasure that I get to introduce Walt Hampton. Walt, thanks for making the time.
1: David, it's a pleasure and a privilege to be with you and with your listeners. Thank you so much for inviting me.
0: Perfect. The pleasure is ours. So we'll jump straight into it. Mindful that this is about time management and making sure that we get the most from it. Maybe just to start, I'd love it if we could kick off by talking about some of the the challenges and the the problems that these systems aim to solve for the business owner, and then we can kind of walk through the the system step
1: by step. Well, the bad news, David, is that time can't be managed. No! Time just is. I'm sorry. Time just is. And when you introduced the uh, title of my book, I very intentionally did not call it time management. I called it time mastery. Because we all complain that we don't have enough time. But actually, every single one of us has all the time there is. You and I have all of the time that has been promised to presidents, prime ministers, kings and queens. We have all of the time there is. There is no more time. Yes, yeah. And time, no matter how hard you wrestle with it or try to manage it, it'll just pass us by. You can wrestle with time and try to manage it all all you want. And it it is not amenable. It's it's not something you can manage. It's It's a construct. It's a thing. Time just passes us by. That's the bad news. The good news is that we can become masters of ourselves and how we show up in time and therefore become masters of that fleeting time we have in our lives here on earth.
0: Yeah, that's... That's a good distinction and an important one, I think.
1: Yeah, because otherwise it just leaves us frustrated and de- depleted if we're always uh, chasing after this illusion that somehow if we do one more thing, take one more program, that we somehow can wrestle this thing called time to the ground. We can't.
0: mm And what are some of the challenges you see business owners have in particular, with the struggles they have with time and and the way that they perceive time?
1: Well, culturally we're taught that in order to be successful, we have to work work longer, harder, faster. And so from a institutional, from a cultural perspective, um, one of the challenges is that society, business, our perceived competitors uh, are all doubling down. And so we feel as if we have to work longer, harder, faster. And that's a zero-sum game. And ultimately, as we'll talk about, isn't the way to become a master of your time, or is it the way to become truly successful in your business?
0: Mm, It's funny. I I see people in my life approach time differently. I've got some that work incredibly hard, some that schedule every moment of their day. I've got another friend who just almost is available 24-7 for you know, if I call him, he'll just pick up the phone because he's kind of of the belief that you never know when this black swan moment is going to occur and, and you need to be have that space available to take advantage of that opportunity because everybody's so focused in. So I'm, I'm interested to get your views on how you approach time and some of these systems. So yeah, maybe we can kind of walk through that a bit.
1: Yes. So my first principle... My power principle of time mastery is do less. What we all tend to do is to stay busy. In fact, busy for many people is a badge of honor. You know, you meet someone at the store. How are you busy? Or, you know, you know if they're really self-important, they're crazy busy or slammed. I mean, you know, it's, it's like it's some type of badge of honor that we're busy. And busy usually means that we've lost control of our time, that we've lost control of our lives, that we're stuck in the vortex, that we're stuck in the urgent at the expense of the important. And, you know, I've taken to responding to that comment like, I've just heard that you've shared with me that someone you care about has died. I say, oh, I'm so sorry so <laughs> sorry that <to> you're <laughs> because <laughs> we usually get some quizzical looks. Here's what's true. There's, there's that old, uh, 80, 20 rule, the, the Pareto principle and Pareto was a Italian economist and a gardener. And he looked out in his garden one day and realized that 20% of his pea pods were responsible for 80% of his peas. And, That was something that was kind of curious for him. And being a curious academic, he eventually developed this idea that 20% of our efforts lead to 80% of our outcomes. And if that principle is true, and some would suggest that he was a little bit conservative. In fact, Gary Keller, who wrote the brilliant business book, The One Thing, would say that you know, maybe it's 5% that leads to the 95%, or maybe just one thing in business and in life that turns the dial. But if Pareto was correct in saying that 20% of our efforts lead to 80% of our outcomes, maybe we ought to be just focusing on that 20%, getting clear on that 20%, and putting aside saying no to all of those things that don't serve the big outcomes.
0: For the busy business owner who has found that this has become a a crutch almost or something that they've felt like being busy has led them to a certain level of success. Do you have any strategies then on how to break some of those old patterns and and beliefs?
1: Yes. So one of the very first exercises I take business owners and entrepreneurs through is, is a values matrix. And it's simple. You take an eight and a half by 11 um, piece of paper, blank piece of paper, fold it in half, fold it either direction, fold it in half. On the left-hand side, write the top five things that you value most in life. And on the right-hand side, write the top five places or activities that you spend your time on. Mm-hmm. Now, both lists are just fine. But usually, most of the stress and discord and overwhelm and the sense of unsettledness comes from the fact that there's not a congruity between the left hand and the right hand side. We say, for example, that we value uh, families and we spend 90 hours a week working. We say we value health and wellness, and we haven't been in the gym for six months. We say that we value lifelong learning. We haven't picked up a book in the last six months. And so this disconnect between what we say we value in our lives and in our businesses, and I say lives and businesses because it's really critically important that businesses have core values, as well as you know it personally that we have core values, and then you know how we show up in the world. Uh, The more that we can bring congruity to what we value and what we do, the less stress and overwhelm, the less uh, chaos, and the more masterful we are in the way we show up in the world.
0: Mm. So that exercise of writing it down, for some people, it might be enough just to see the incongruity and go, okay, now something needs to change. Yes.
1: Yes. And the very next step in the system would (laughs) then be with that awareness, begin to do the hardest thing of all, which is to begin to say no to the things that do not serve the core values, that do not serve that sweet spot of the 20% that really matters. You know, the great Steve mm-hmm. Jobs said he was as proud of the thousands of things that he had said no to as to the few things that he said yes to. And so getting really good at saying no. And that's, you told the story of a, of a colleague who was, is available 24 7. You know, it's, that, it's FOMO, the fear of missing out. And that's, you know, that's what keeps so many of us addicted to our smartphones, That's so addicted to, uh, is, to being always on. To, going off on what I call fake vacations, fake vacations, rather than real holidays. You know, it's that sense that you always have to be on. But learning to say no, I think John Maxwell says, you know, learn to say no to the not so good and the merely good so that you can say yes to the best. You can say yes to what really matters. And so, I like to, when I'm working with entrepreneurs, I suggest that rather than saying yes as your default, say no as your default. And then you can, and then you can reconsider. But saying yes to everything dilutes you. It spreads you to things. You can't go deep. So yeah. learning to say no is the necessary next step after you've gotten clear on what really matters. Which is—it's
0: interesting because already there's been one or two things where I've recognised me as a younger entrepreneur when I would hear something like that. When when we first, you know, first got started in business, it was wanting to please the client, over deliver, always say yes. And what I found was the more that we did that, that created this custom work that tied me into delivering the custom work. It meant that we could never really let our systems and processes properly develop because everything was custom. And then it meant the big shift for me came when I realized that actually means that I I can only help a small number of people. So for me to help a larger number of people... You actually need to say no, get very clear on a specific problem for a specific person and get incredibly good at solving that problem and then do it for as many people as possible.
1: Amen. Within that idea, which you you are brilliant on around systems and processes, because we can, you can scale that silo in a way that you can serve one to many, or if you want to serve one to one, you can do it at a very high level and be very well paid.
0: Yes. Yep. Okay, I'm already liking the, uh, the, the first principle and we're only one in. So any more tips on that particular principle or what, what's another principle we can dive into?
1: Well, once we've gotten clear on what we really truly value, the 20% that moves the dial, uh, mm-hmm. the core values. And once we've gotten some clarity around the importance of no and begin to practice saying no, Then the next most important principle is like utterly stupidly simple. It's that we ought to have a plan. What most of us as entrepreneurs do, I'm not going to ask you on a live broadcast, but most of us entrepreneurs do is we wake up and the very first thing we do is we check our smartphones. And we end up using our email inboxes as our plan for the day. We are in full reactivity mode all day long. We'll talk about a planning process before we're done here, but having a plan that honors the things that matter, that creates boundaries around the things that don't serve those things that matter. Having that roadmap for your day, for your week, for your quarter, for your year, for your life, having that plan matters. You don't, I mean, we take for granted now we get in the car, we turn on the navigator, the navigator takes his place, places, but the navigator's following a map. Yeah. We're great at talking about, you know, business plans and estate plans, but we're not really good about life plans. You know, we just kind of like drift along. But having some type of roadmap that we follow for the day, for the week, really it really shifts up the game where we're taking responsibility for where we're driving.
0: With that plan, because I'm imagining it could be broken down and spliced into many different ways, like you'd be thinking, what is your plan or your, you know, I'm assuming planning also involves goals, so you need to at least know the destination if we continue with the, the sat-nav metaphor. And then you can design the map to get there. And then we have to start, you know, probably working backwards and thinking in terms of years and quarters and months and days and how to structure. Do you have yeah some thoughts on, on how that works? There's, there's a lot to it, so I'm not too sure how you...
1: Yeah, and I want to keep it really granular and useful for, yeah. for our audience. And so I think where we ought to focus is... On the most useful plan, you know we're going to perhaps make available some other resources to your listeners at some point. But let's just start start with the granularity of the weekly plan. I'll walk you through our weekly planning process, our weekly planning system, and the one we teach to our clients in our community. We create on a Sunday morning. Some some of our clients do it on a Friday, a Friday afternoon or Friday evening. They want to put it. They want to get it done for the next week but sitting down on a sunday morning and my business partner who is my wife Anne, and we sit uh, and we sit down and we do this kind of as an event sometimes we'll go out for a brunch but we'll both take our notebooks we do this as a written plan and we'll sit down and we start with two big questions the first i don't know is asked in any other time management time mastery system at all the first question is What do I want to experience in the week ahead? So for years, when I was starting early on in business, it was like, oh, for God's sakes, let me just experience some cash flow. You know, as life has gotten busier, it's, you know, I want an experience of spaciousness and peace, or maybe an experience of joy or a lightness of being. But I want to connect in the first instance before I launch into my week. What do I want to experience in this fleeting week that's ahead? And it sounds a little, perhaps, woo-woo, except that it creates a framework for us as to how we show up. And I don't know about you, but, you know, I get into my week and things start to unfold and they get a little bit crazy. And sometimes I'll go back to my plan was, what was it I want to? Oh, like I'm insane and I want to experience peace. Oh, let me reconnect with that. (laughs) And it allows a frame of reference to come back and ground myself. It's the frame. For the week ahead the second question i ask and it's related to goals are what are the concrete results that i want to create this week and by concrete results i do not mean a to-do list because while i love lists i'm a big fan of lists. in fact i'm a big fan of to-do lists. in fact i'm one of these people who love his to-do list so much that I will create my to-do list with stuff that I've already done just so I can check stuff off on my list. I mean, that's how much I love my to-do list. But the problem with a to-do list is that everything looks of an equal import. And everything, as we've said, is not of equal import. So I want to get clear at the beginning of the week, uh, what are the concrete results, the, the few things that will move the dial, those very few things that will lead to the big outcomes, that sweet 20% or that 5%, or as Stephen Covey would suggest, the big rocks. Covey had that exercise where he would come in with rocks and sand and gravel and pebbles and a big galvanized bucket and put it all over the table. And the workshop participants were supposed to get everything into the galvanized bucket without having it overflow, which nobody could do until he demonstrated. And he would take the big rocks and he'd put them in the bucket and then he'd put in the smaller rocks around the big rocks and then he would put in the pebbles and the gravel and the sand and everything would be nice and flat on top of the galvanized bucket because he'd put the big rocks in first. And so when I'm talking about concrete results, I'm talking about those big rocks, the things that really matter most in your day, in your life, in your week. Those things that when you get to the end of the week on Friday night, if you haven't planned them, if you haven't focused on them, you go, oh, damn, I haven't done that again. Those types of things. So, I want to know like the one or two or three things that I'm going to be driving toward in the week ahead. And so that's where the process starts.
0: Yeah. And I feel like, um, and it might be clear for some listeners, but I'll spell it out. For me, it's obvious that that extends to some of those other values and things that we identified probably in the earlier exercise. So, we're talking about your health, your family. There would be business things in there as well, but you want to make sure you're putting all of the
1: important rocks in. Have you read my book? <laughs> so, no, I so, will. So, after we've asked those two major questions, then we go into each of the areas that you've pre framed here. We go into finances. What do I want to experience in my financial life this week? What concrete results do I want to create? Business, health, and wellness relationships, your spiritual or emotional life, your community life, your personal life, the entire, the entire fabric of your life. We go through each of those areas and get clear on those experiences and on those things that matter most. And then in that quiet, time, that 60 or 90 minutes, our hour of power on Sunday mornings, we do the thing that is the hardest of all, it is the hardest thing of all, and everybody wants to skip this, is that then in that moment of quiet, you go over to your iCal, your GCal, your Outlook, your Franklin Planner, whatever you use, and you actually schedule these things. You schedule them like If you were to call me on Wednesday mornings and say, Walt, can we go out for coffee? I'd look at my calendar. i go, no, I have to be in the gym on, on Wednesday morning. Can't do that. So the things like your workout, your yoga, your Pilates on the calendar, your marketing, your copywriting on the calendar, your client work, of course, on the calendar, your date nights, your connection time with your significant others, with your, with your partner on the calendar. Now, you alluded to something earlier, and I think there's a paradox about somebody who is scheduled. We say that with discipline comes freedom because when you have stuff that's on your calendar. Like, even the stuff like, you know, seeing going out to the pitch, going out to the field to watch your daughter or son's soccer game, when it's on there, it's an appointment. And when we're busy entrepreneurs and business professionals, we tend to blow things off if they're not appointments. You don't blow off a client appointment, you don't generally blow off a dentist appointment. And when we create all of these Things, all of these elements on our, in our lives as appointments with ourselves, we're much more likely to honor them and to actually do them. And then we're also then just in execution mode through the week. We're not in reactivity mode, we're just in execution mode. Because sometimes I lose track. What am I supposed to do? Oh, I've got that interview with David. That's what I'm supposed to do next. Good. So then, you know. I move on and I've got my uh, preparation time for my operations meeting and then I've got my team meeting and then I've got some time to connect with and we have our lunch together. So it's all on the calendar. Now, I'm leaving out an important piece of this calendaring process. It's called white space. I got called in uh, for a very successful um, executive around time management and productivity and we're doing our intake, and I said, Sean, can you screen shoot your calendar for me and send it over while we're talking? And it was beautiful. It was red and green and magenta and yellow and purple and blue. And I said, dude, where's your white space? He said, what do you mean? I said, white space. He said, what's white space? I said, the space in between all the colors. He said, you're supposed to have white space? I said, yes. (laughs) Because again, I don't know about you, but things tend to run over. We get behind. There's a quiet emergency. Something goes on. There's a, you know. I was a single dad for a dozen years, raising three young boys on my own. Things the cart goes off the tracks. You got you got you know, stuff happens. And so, with white space, it gives us some breathing room if we're on time. We go outside, have a drink of water, or read a little, bit from our, a little bit from our Kindle, just have a little breathing, a little time for some meditation. And if we're running behind, it's okay. So I have the luxury because I only work with a handful of clients at a time. I create a half hour of white space before my appointment and an hour of white space after with a client. Because a lot of busy execs, they show up breathless. Maybe they're five minutes late, ten minutes. I said, David, don't worry. Let's just breathe. We have plenty of time. I don't have a hard stop. We're good. And so it just creates an entirely different environment when you're not always breathless from one thing to another thing to another thing. So now we've got this week that we've created that unfolds beautifully and rhythmically in the way that we've created it. And when things go off the rails, like, you know, maybe maybe something comes up and you got a dentist appointment and you can't do it, well you don't just blow it off, you actually reschedule it. So, you know, something comes up that's important, like, you know, you really did want to get to gym or the Pilates class. Well, you know, you you readjust it on your calendar. You're much more likely to do those things. When you've actually intentionally planned those things
0: question because you work with a lot of different business owners at, at different parts in their journey and I don't know if I'm generalizing you're probably gonna have much better insight here newer entrepreneurs as they're getting started and early in their journey oftentimes and I felt the same you know that that desire to conquer the world uh, Lots of energy, squeezing as much in like a a lot of what we're talking about. As I've gotten older, I'm finding that I'm more considered. I'm still not scheduling in enough white space and things like that into the day, but I I feel like I'm moving closer to that. I'm wondering if if it is a rite of passage that one goes through as far as that frantic work, uh, as you know, thinking in terms of the journey through business before that insight happens, or, or if you've come across people, you know, younger in their career where they kind of recognize that, hey, you know, this, this is just a better way to do things.
1: Well, I was just, I was fascinated. I was reading an article just before we uh, got on together from Business Insider. About a course that's being offered at Yale University for free. It had three hundred. It starts today. Has three hundred and forty-five thousand registrants in it all around the world. And it's about satisfaction and uh, living a life that's happy and full and satisfied. So I think that's certainly more than when I came up through the business ranks, and perhaps more than when you came up. There's a greater sensitivity. To wanting to be tied to meaning and purpose and have some sense of sanity to it. But, you know, as we grow entrepreneurs early on, there, you know, I didn't, it's why I so love what you're about and what you teach in the world about systems and processes, because so many entrepreneurs come up thinking that what is the roadmap to success? You know, you spoke about Book Yourself Solid, it's a systematic way to grow. A business. We've designed a program called the Consultant Success Formula. It's a roadmap. Success, business development, marketing isn't happenstance. And what happens to so many entrepreneurs is they wake up in the morning and say, Should I be creating funnels or doing Facebook advertising or Google pay per click? And they're all, you know, they're running. It. And when you get clear on what the fundamental principles, the systems for marketing, well, you know exactly what you should do. And then you schedule that into your life and you're not running frantically all around. I don't know whether that answered your question or not.
0: (laughs) (laughs) No, it does. Like, I I definitely think there is a a shift in the, in the way that people are thinking about life and business and and those sorts of things. So it probably is very much an individual track and, and depending on, you know, where someone is up to. So that, that makes sense. Yes. So if we think of the, you know, gone through the first couple of principles, I'm thinking, are there any other points in the planning? Like now that we're kind of structured what our week looks like, and we start to schedule it in, does that sort of close off that particular principle?
1: Well, at the end of the week, then we want to do an assessment, you know, did well, do better, or did well, do differently. We can do that without any, you know, it's The magic of anything is in a debrief. The magic in a summit, the magic in an interview, the magic in a client interaction, the magic in a live event is in the debrief. We learn a lot in the debrief. And so did well, do differently. We do it with our team all the time. What went well? What would we do differently next week? And so, you know, an airplane between uh, New York and uh, London can be off course 90% of the time, but you know, there's an autopilot that brings it back to the center line. And so, you know, we always want to be looking at where we are so that we're bringing ourselves back to where we want to go. And so did well, do differently. And we just, we do that without a lot of judge, uh, judgment or self condemnation condemnation and, and then just adjust as we go into the next week.
0: Yeah. Is that something that dovetails onto the Sunday meeting, or you, by design, keep
1: it separate? No, we usually do it in the same time. You know, we look back at the week before. Now, so that takes us through the planning process, but I want to also share some, you know, those are power principles, some power tools around time mastery. One really important power tool I've already Suggested is is smartphone management. Mm. If we're always in this wonderful thing, I mean, you know, I like you do business all over the world. Technology is beautiful. We get to serve people all over the world with this technology. But the thing, this technology that was built to service, now often enslaves us. There was an article yesterday in yesterday's Wall Street Journal where people are paying $600 a night to go to places where they have, they are completely off the grid. I'm going to roll out a new program today where if you just swipe your credit card for $600, I'll take your cell phone from you. So, <laughs> I'll make it easy. You don't have to go anywhere. So, but, but, but this technology wears us down. And, and I, so one important thing in the, execution of one's week is do not check your email first thing in the morning. Do not check, do not check your email first thing. This sounds horrible. Oh my God, I gotta check. I have been, I'm a high altitude mountaineer and an ultra distance runner. I I go on like long expeditions, like 25, 30 days, like no email. And so far it's been okay. (laughs) So far it's been just fine. When we check our email, You know, if we know what matters most, what we value, if we've gotten good at saying no, if we've created a plan for a week, then checking our email first thing in the morning means that we are going into somebody else's plan for our day. Then we default into reactivity as opposed to launching into our day and doing those things that matter most, those high ticket items. Even when we violate that rule, and I have violated that rule, on more than one occasion, I'm not checking my email, you know, something will be happening and you know, I, I want to check and it will, if it doesn't hijack us, actually it will hijack us emotionally and ener- energetically. So one morning, you know, I was all excited to see some result that was going on and i don't know, a launch or something. And, and what came in uh, instead was somebody complaining about something. So Every morning, I run along our beautiful coast in Ireland five, eight, ten miles, and I spent that entire time going, Well, I'm going to say this to that person, I'm going to say that to this person. I'm gonna... I was, you know, I was completely energetic and energetically hijacked rather than being in the moment, rather than being in the beautiful environment that I'm in. So, staying out of other people's agendas until you've started your day, I like to claim the first five hours of my day for me and for my highest and best work in the world before I go to somebody else's agenda for the day. Which leads me to the second principle or the second tool that's really useful, and that's working in block time. We sleep in rhythms, deep sleep, REM sleep, light sleep. The research shows that we work in rhythms, too, and that we work best in 60 to 90-minute blocks of time. And so as we think about creating our week, you know, if we're going to write copy, sit down and create an hour, 90 minutes of copywriting. If you're going to be doing funnel design. Create an hour or 90 minutes of funnel design work. If you're going to do some new Facebook ads, create, you know, create that time where you're doing that and do just that, just that. Mm. Because, this leads me to the next concept here, multitasking is a myth, if you and I are really good at something that is not multitasking, although we might think it's multitasking. And the MRI studies have shown this to be true, that what we think of multitasking is actually that our brain toggles between tasks. Mm. Anybody anybody who is a listener on, on this summit is a good toggler. We toggle, 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 toggle all day long. But there's actually a cost. There's a whole science called interruption science and it studies the cost of what we call multitasking which is really just toggling between tasks and there's this thing called attention residue which means if you and i are having this conversation and all of a sudden i decide i'm, I'm going to take my i'm going to look at, i'm going to look at all these instant messages that came through while we've been talking and then i come back here there's actually a residue of attention that i've left behind And it's been measured at the low end. It takes me 11 minutes to get refocused on this. At the high end, it's 25 minutes. So there's a cost, a productivity, a time cost of doing this thing called multitasking. And I do a funny little exercise in my workshops, you know, I say, you know, so, you know, uh, interruption science suggests that we are either interrupted or cause ourselves to be interrupted every three minutes of the day. You know, it costs us at least 11 minutes for each of, each of those uh, interruptions. You know, I, I went to law school. I'm not a mathematician, but I think that adds up to a loss 33 hours of productivity every day. <laughs> <laughs> So, so, I mean, that's a little facetious, but but the cost of the Mm -hmm. multitasking is huge. So, creating those blocks of time, turning off the dingers, turning off the alerts. Now, you can have a block of time for email, where you spend an hour doing email. That's why I have an hour in the morning, and I have uh, half an hour in the afternoon where I do email. Now, I haven't found yet that the train has gone off the tracks between, you know, about 10 a.m. and, and 4 p.m. in those blocks of time. If something really goes off the tracks, you know, my operations manager will uh, send me a Slack message and say, you know, the train, is, the train has crashed and you need to jump in here. But no one generally dies. My Irish Catholic mother, when I went, uh, went away for a long trip to the mountains, she said, uh, uh, what if somebody dies when you're gone, honey? And I said, well, mom, they'll still be dead when I come back. <laughs> <laughs> she, never, she never forgave me for that. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, So creating blocks of time for when you're going to return your calls, when you're going to do your email. So that time blocking is a really powerful thing as part of the whole planning process.
0: I know the idea of doing that deep work as well. It, it's got other layered benefits in there, like the idea of getting, you know, not losing that 11 minutes to switch and get back in, but also work often expands to the space that you give it. So if you do-
1: Parkinson's law, Parkinson's law. It's you know, work expands to fill a vacuum. When I was a young lawyer, if uh, there was a, an appellate court brief due in six months, it would take six months. If it was due in six weeks, it would take six weeks. If it was due, to, due tomorrow morning, it would take overnight. I mean, we, we, so I really, I love that, that what you're saying, David, because I work often in my own life day to day with the idea of constraining time. You know, I set aside a 90 minute block and this blog and this video is going to be done in this 90 minutes. It's not going to bleed out into the rest of my day. It's getting done.
0: I learned this idea of uh, positive constraints from a a friend of mine when he decided that he wanted to become an entrepreneur and he left his corporate job, started working at home, but found with no one looking over his shoulder, he'd always sleep in in the morning. So he thought, you know, I need to come up with a way to make sure I'm getting out of bed because he was fine once he got going. But if he didn't have to be somewhere, he would just sleep in. So he lived on a very busy street. Uh, in Victoria in a suburb called Paran where they have a clear way at 7am uh, in the morning. So he would park his car out the front of his house in this clear because he knew he had to get up at 7am every morning to move his car or they would tow it. That's
1: inspirational. Whatever uh, word.
0: That's inspirational. I now find this idea of positive constraints. To a certain extent, that's what I see things like the summit for me like if if I was to try and you know a lot of these sessions that we record end up being uh, podcast episodes on on our um, podcast and I'm able to basically pre-record a year's worth of content over the course of a few weeks and if I was to try and schedule in and book in one call here and there it would take me three years to get one year's worth of content
1: Yes. And so that's, you know, there's another uh, interesting uh, concept around that concept, which is, is the idea of batching. And so, you know, we have uh, video blogs and we have uh, content that goes into our funnels and we batch it quarter by quarter. So, you know, we'll, we'll do a month's worth, uh, three months worth of videos, three months worth of uh, funnel content, three months worth of social media stuff and, you know, we'll just do it over one or two days before a quarter and then it gets all queued up. And so that batching again, when you're in the thing, you know, in the project and not distracted by a lot of things, you can do a whole lot more work in a batch than you might be able to do week by week by week over the course Mm -hmm. of a quarter.
0: Yeah. So I feel like these principles, that's good because they're they're ticking a lot of other other boxes. So if, Yeah, I should have asked right up front to double check how many principles we've got around time management or ones that we want to cover in this session.
1: So we've covered the biggest ones, and I am mindful of our time, but I would be irresponsible if I didn't cover one more principle. Yeah, please. So when my beautiful wife Ann and I were married, she said, Honey, if I'm going to be doing this high mountain climbing, stuff you're going to become a distance runner and i was uh age 53 when i decided to train with her for my very first marathon and she created this beautiful schedule and printed it out and it had this thing on certain days that were called rest days i said honey what is this thing called a rest day and she said that's a day that we rest I said, well, what about running? We're runners. She said, yes, but resting is part of getting stronger. I thought, isn't that interesting? And I railed against it. But in fact, it was a beautiful schedule. We ran a great marathon. So... It's axiomatic, actually, in high-altitude mountaineering because the body has to acclimatize that you climb up a 1,000 feet, come back, climb up a 1,000 feet, sleep higher, and you move up a mountain very slowly because your body has to rest. So we know this physically that rest is good. For some reason, we don't dial it into our businesses very well or the rest of our lives very well. We think we have to be always on. And so the idea, you know, J- Jack Canfield, in his business uh, time management program, which he hijacked from Dan Sullivan's time management program, has, you know, completely uh, he, a thing called free days. Nice, yes, Free days. But building into our time management, our time mastery, the idea that there are rest days days you know perhaps there are days that are there are creative days perhaps there are days that you are taking completely off where you're not doing at all and they're not fake-cations they're not you know they're not you where you're always in checking things you know ann and i scheduled this morning two days that we're going to take up in the national park um in two weeks uh, we looked at we always you know, looked at our schedule. We were, you don't have appointments that day. I don't. have oh, Let's take them. Let's create them. We're going to block them out as rest days. And so the idea of uh, dialing in regular rest, like you would in a marathon training schedule, because we're you know we're as uh, as entrepreneurs we're we're on a marathon here of building these yeah. businesses that we are. And so we've got one of my passions is sustainable peak performance. Any one of your audience members can wrestle stuff to the ground in the moment. That's who we are. That's part of our DNA. We can make stuff happen. We can wrestle to the ground. But how do we sustain it over the long, go the distance? And we can only go the distance when we take care of ourselves in body, mind, and spirit. And that has to become part of this whole plan that we create for ourselves. And so that means periodic rest regular rest. It means regular vacations. It means taking time off the grid. It means going out in the evening without these things. It means really taking care of what I teach as eating, exercise, and well-being, eating, eating, exercise, and emotional well-being, doing those things that nurture us. You know, we get onto airplanes, That spiel at the beginning, you know, if the cabin loses pressure, an oxygen mask will drop down and oxygen will flow freely and you put your own oxygen mask on first before helping others. Why? Because if you don't, you are dead on the cabin floor. Those of you who are listening here are your mission driven. You have work that matters in the world. You have people to serve, people who are waiting for you, but you can't do the work unless you're giving yourself oxygen, unless you're taking care of you. And so that's got to be a critical part of the mastery of our time.
0: I think this session in particular, it's, it's just a great reminder to the, the busy business owner, because that's, that's really what the whole philosophy behind the idea of the Business Systems Summit and the idea of systems and processes. I talk in terms of The mission is to actually free business owners from the day-to-day operations now it's it's not necessarily some people you know they they think oh you know i just want to go lie on a beach and sip pina coladas all the time and have large amounts of money deposited into my bank account with little or no work but i know Mm. for business owners they it's this is part of why they're here they're they're here to make a difference and a change and the key is to be able to create that space that you're talking about systems and processes allow you to step back from the operations then you'll do your best work because you can be much more strategic and i feel like yeah what you've shared is has been incredibly important for articulating that so thank you very much
1: oh it's such a privilege to be able to share it uh, because the work all of us are doing in the world matters. So it's uh, a privilege to be able to spend this time with you.
0: If people want to find out more about what you do, because there's a lot that you do, I'm, I'm not sure the best place to point them to. So, so maybe you'll be able to, yeah, if people want to find out a bit more, obviously getting the book, which we'll link to, but yes. do you have anything and, else? And can... I,
1: yeah, it, Yes. So my website is walthampton.com. I made that up myself, walthampton.com. <laughs> And if you want, you know, there's another resource that I would love to share with your people and I can link it to you yes. is, is, is a project planning resource, a template that we use for, you know, if you want to do a webinar or a live event, or, you know, you're uh, creating a product launch, how do you, how do you break that down in a way that keeps your life sane? So I've got a great resource on that, that I'll get you a link for as well. But
0: Drop a link underneath the, uh, the episode or the session. Well, we'll wrap up there, Walt. Thank you so much for your time. We all know it's such a scarce resource and it was great talking about time as well. Definitely a pleasure and looking forward to keeping in touch.
1: Oh, absolutely. Thank you for the privilege of uh, being able to serve you and your people. You've just been listening to the System Hub
0: podcast. Remember, we've documented this system for you so you can literally swipe and deploy it within your business. Head to www.systemhub.com
1: forward slash podcast to download it now.